Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Bastards Road tells the story of many combat veterans like John Hancock, who are navigating the complicated transition back into civilian life. After years of struggling, John has decided to take an epic journey across the country on foot, walking nearly 6,000 miles alone. John confronts the demons that have overtaken his life, visiting with fellow 2-4 Marines, known as the Magnificent Bastards, and the families of their fallen loved ones. John's mission is greater than his own redemption. And the film, again, is called Bastard's Road, and we're joined today by the director, and that would be Brian Morrison. Brian, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi. How are you? How are you doing today? Very great. Thank you for asking. Are you, by chance, in Park City, Utah? So I am still in Santa Barbara for our uh, premiere um, uh, kind of festival at Santa Barbara International Film Festival. We'll be quickly heading over to Park City uh, in the next day okay. or so. Okay, great. Well, for people, I just want to let them know right at the top of our interview that uh, Bastards Road is going to be uh, playing as part of the documentary um, feature film competition uh, at uh, Slam Dance Film Festival. And that will be the first screening will be on Sunday at 1 p.m. at the Ballroom Screening Room. And as I say all the time, uh, Slam Dance is a uh, unique film festival experience in that all of the films take takes place in uh, the hotel the treasure mountain inn and so it's a very intimate setting and an opportunity to really get up close and personal with filmmakers who are screening their their work there so i wanted to get that commercial in so for people who are interested or in park city and or just uh, love films and want to know more about it they can go to bastardsroad.com to find out more about the film Huh. Having said all that, hi, Brian. Tell us a little bit about how you got to know John Hancock and the sort of the, that transition into making a documentary film about this very compelling and very empathetic person that uh, you focus on. Sure. Well, John and I actually went to the same high school, and we, we shared mutual friends. And John had already embarked on this uh, crazy journey, walked about 1,500, between 1,500 and 1,800 miles, before I even learned what he was doing. Um, I didn't know him in high school. My wife knew him, and come to find out, my next-door neighbor was his closest friend growing up. And so as he started appearing on local TV specials and newspaper articles that would write about his walk and highlighting, you know, why he was doing it, I I just uh, was immediately kind of compelled and I wanted to dig a little deeper. You know, those, those local news specials are, you know, typically around like one to two minutes or something, very like cursory kind of overview of what he's doing. And, and everything was very rehearsed when he was on camera when I saw him. And I just, I, I really just wanted to know more. So my next-door neighbor put us in contact, and, you know, we kind of uh, connected through mutual friends and such. But, um yeah, we got to a place where we thought it would be a good idea for us to sit down and um, yeah. and, and really figure out if we connected. That initial interview, it, it seemed like a good idea. So after that, we, we planned on 
well, it was a very organic process of how to move forward. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he had he had, a, he had kind of a goal in mind, but I really wasn't sure exactly how far he was going to go and for how long. Right. Well, the, if at the outset, the first meeting you had with him, was he talking about this 5,800-mile uh, walk is just sort of uh, – that was a given did he was he was he in any way hedging on that what was sort of what was that that first meeting and talking about just exactly what his aspirations were so he said that he wanted to make his way to camp pendleton in california and when i had when i had first talked to him he was, he was in louisiana um he had made his way back to maryland uh, he, he was flown back uh for a va appointment that he had and he asked his parents live not even a mile from my house. And so we, that was kind of our first interview where it was kind of, he was off the walk for a couple of days while he had this VA appointment. You know, you miss your VA appointment. Good luck getting something in the next like six months or a year. So we just thought that was a great opportunity to kind of have a feel out interview. I actually put him in my, my basement uh, with my daughter's playroom and it was a it was a very kind of intimate kind of setting. We talked for two hours. He told me about you know his plans to walk to uh, walk to California, but there were so many of his friends along the way that he was kind of discovering where these guys were. So it was um, you know by the time he had gone back to Texas up to Colorado, he actually ended up walking back east like three or four hundred miles to North Platte, Nebraska. And then, you know, it was just so, um, it wasn't about kind of moving across the country. It was just kind of finding where his Marine brothers were. And, wow. you know, it was, it was very fluid. He didn't really know when he was going to end. Um, but there was kind of an idea of, of where, where that end spot was going to be at Camp Pendleton at the memorial for the two former Marines that were killed in 2004. Yeah, and my impression of John Hancock, the subject of the film, is that he is a person willing, I think this is fairly obvious, willing to take a chance on on his on the way he lives his life. And I have and I also have the impression that given what he's been dealing with with the post traumatic stress disorder that his decision making is at times erratic. And uh, we we see we see John's life, the good and the bad in here. Some of the, the relationships that he has had issues with, uh, including a woman who he shares a, a child with. And so there are the warts and all. We get an opportunity to see John, but I don't think you could have it any other way in making a film about this subject because almost everyone in the film by virtue of the conversations that he has with them, is dealing in varying degrees of some very serious psychological and physical issues when it comes to dealing with the aftermath of a war. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible to come home and, you know, not be affected in some way. I think that's the takeaway is as much as we, the, the Pentagon puts out statistics about only one third of the people coming back from these from these war theaters are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. I just find that to be 
unbelievably wrong in, in terms of just yeah, what yeah. it's oh, not it it's not even well that, the way in the same way they used to talk about agent orange the same way they used to right. talk about a lot of you know uh depleted uranium a lot of the things that they initially say ah, it's not a real it's a yeah it's an issue but it's don't worry about it we got it we got it under control uh, and the rates of suicide among veterans in which you get into in the film is shocking staggering and unacceptable all these things so uh but I, but before I get I sound very harsh about all of these things that are going on, it's the humanity of this film that really comes across. And I, I think that's something that I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about in terms of just that impact it had on you and what you expect the audience uh, to react in, the, in, in regard to uh, uh, Bastard's Road. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of my process, like, or at least kind of what I was thinking about before really going out on, on the journey when I, when I would go out and film him so it was and how how it kind of started was you know he's he's a moving subject you know he was moving on average from like 25 30 miles a day and so i would fly into the nearest airport he would send me a gps pin and i would have to track him down on a state highway and just look out for that guy with the marine red marine corps flag behind him and um and you know like and i imagined him being out on the road and in, in the Midwest, you know, those sweeping plains and those big, big sky country and, and, and the isolation and the loneliness that he must feel. And when you're, you're in that place, like there's nothing but your thoughts that, that you have. And when those thoughts are, are, are dark ones, when you have trauma, you know, how scary of a thing that, that must be and how brave, like I felt John was for kind of attacking those traumatic memories and kind of, you know, pushing himself to resolve a lot of those things that, you know, you don't process, you know, immediately after something happens in war and combat, because, you know, you're, you're in the fight of your life. There is no time to process trauma when you're experiencing more trauma, you know, this, this, uh, this, that the nature of combat. And so when you come home, it's, you're, you're already forced, you're in the habit of, not processing those thoughts and memories. It's just part of life. It's part of, you know, it's a habit. It's a learned thing. So it's not a natural, you know, that's where the PTSD uh, comes in, where you're not giving that opportunity to process a natural traumatic memory. You know, we all have traumatic memories, whether you're a, 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 a warfighter or not. Right. But how you process that through, you know, is, is a very natural thing. Right. And, you know, for a warfighter, you know, they're just in that cycle of, of, of life-threatening situations and of traumatic experience after traumatic experience. I want to make that point. <laughs> I really want to kind of restate that in a way, and that is, in, in most people's lives, most of the time, something traumatic happens, there's usually a period of time for you to process it and deal with it and begin the process of either healing or getting past it. When you're in a combat situation, those those kinds of things can happen every day, every other day, every couple of weeks. But you don't have the luxury of sitting around and 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 you know talking about or even thinking about it. So these are things that are yeah. life altering experiences that probably happen. I mean, happen to uh, someone in combat on a fairly regular basis. So that that's yeah. that's a big thing to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of what I kind of had thought about beforehand and, and his kind of process and journey of working through his, but you know, when it, when things kind of changed for me, 
was when he he got into he met with one of his first Marine brothers. Well, when I experienced him meeting uh, one of his Marine brothers for the first time, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it's it's a lot. You know, John and I had developed a rapport. We had some connection, but those guys did not know me, and it was it was a big ask to say, "Hey, you're going to have this moment. You guys may not have seen each other for." 10 years since you got out, but like, hey, I got a video guy coming with me. Right, right. And so John was the trust and, and commitment and support that they had for each other. Yeah. You know, that was, that was that lead-in so that I could experience those moments yeah. as, you know, trying to be a fly on the wall and those things. But, you know, I'm there. Yeah. Well, and, um... Well, it, it it's so that was really telling. Yeah, it really is. It's all in the film, and I just unfortunately, Brian, we just got to run out of time. Uh, so yeah, no uh, worries. Yeah, it is. A, it's a terrific film, powerful film. It's in, as I said, the competition for documentary film feature at Slam Dance. It will be screening on Sunday, January twenty sixth at one p.m. as well as screening on uh, Thursday, January thirtieth at the Gallery Screening Room in Slam Dance in in Park City at the Slam Dance Film Festival. People can go to bastardsroads.com to find out more about the film. And thank you so very much, Brian Morrison. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.